podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We are delighted to have partnered with NordVPN again for this season. We partnered with them last year and they are, of course, a supporter of Rangers FC as an official sponsor there. And best of all, we can give you an exclusive NordVPN deal. If you go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand, you will get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and one additional month for free, completely risk-free. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee with Nord. And look, I use this product. I would highly recommend it. I used to work in web, so I know how easy it is to steal people's data, especially if you're using a, a, a Wi-Fi system that, that is a shared one or you're using uh, 4 or 5G, then your details can be out there. With NordVPN, they're absolutely not. And there are other advantages to it as well. Um, you can watch sporting events that maybe aren't being shown in your region. Um, you can purchase flights from different virtual locations, and they do make your flights cheaper. This is very, very useful. What a price is in the UK isn't the same as what a price is in America or a price is on the continent. Um, NordVPN can save you money. Um, you can buy purchasing subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price uh, and you protect your data while travelling and using public Wi-Fi. I keep coming back to that. Anyone who's at the hassle of a cancelled card will know what I'm talking about. So all you need to do is go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand and you'll get a huge discount off your plan and one month additional free completely risk-free i urge you to do it everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar and as always I am your host and I'm joined this week by two of the A-team. First of all, from the wilds of West Lothian, it's Cammy Bell. David, how are you my friend? Are you keeping well? I'm alright Cammy. I must admit. Uh, Rangers won, all is well in the world. Might even have a transfer to talk about. I mean, These are the days. Rangers often like to wait till we record podcasts and then during that, they will then announce the signing. Yeah, so, so this could be the trigger. This could be the catalyst that we've been waiting on for yeah. Raskin to join us. Yeah, fingers crossed. And uh, joining us to discuss Raskin and uh, the match at the weekend in particular, it's Andy McGowan. Thanks for having me on. Really excited about that amortisation from the transfer fee. <laughs> <laughs> on that then, let's just, just kick off. Uh, Nicholas Raskin has been linked with Rangers for a while. He was somebody that... that Rangers were interested in in the summer um, when Glenn Kamara um, transfer bids for him were rejected. I think that that, that kind of put Raskin on the back burner, but Rangers have gone back in. He's out of contract in the summer, as we know, but there's a lot of interest in him. Belgian under 21 international reports in Belgium, so it's not, we can't even say if it's Scottish press or that it's the, the, the club at our side feeding it. There's reports in Belgium saying there's interest in him from Schalke 04, from Wolfsburg, from uh, Stuttgart in the Bundesliga, as well as uh, an offer from Feyenoord. So it looks as though Rangers have decided to just go in and get this done early, Andy, um, with a fee said to be about a million pounds. Um, I know it's, it looks a bit more in euros, but a million pounds plus add-ons and plus uh, a sell-on. And I have noticed, and I was a little surprised, that there's some complaints on social media. I know you're always going to get complaints about everything. And so, I mean, if, if you send a check to you know, UNICEF, they come back and go, I don't like the <laughs> font on that. I, I get that. But um, 
people are saying oh, it's a ridiculous amount of money to spend on a guy who's going to be out of contract in six months. I'm not so sure that it is. And and the reason I say this is, now we know that England is, is mental for money. We know that. But Arsenal bought Leandro Trossard £27 million, um the other week. We're, we're seeing players... Last six months of the contract moved between European leagues. I think we've been skewed in Scotland by the fact that whenever Rangers have picked up uh, a, a Bosman and then said, we'll try and get him in early, it's been for a nominal fee. Glenn Kamara, famously, of course, for a nominal fee. I think that has kind of skewed us that you only pay buttons for these guys and get them in a few months early. I'm not sure in the real world that that is the case. I think, you know, I remember, for example, when Rangers... Um, had a pre-contract with John Lundstrom. They approached Sheffield United, and Sheffield United were after four and a half million. So, yeah. I, I wonder if it's not them; it's us. Well, it's all relative because for, for me, a million quid for Raskin with six months to go in his contract is buttons. It's relative to the player. So, I think. Um, I mean, I've often said, and I'm it's about Rich coming from me that a lot of your support just needs to get back to the football, enjoy the football and worry less about the minutiae of finances. And uh, because he's a good player, he's in demand, therefore it's supply and demand and you need to move a wee bit faster and you might actually have to pay a wee bit more than you, you anticipate. And that's what's happened here. We could wait until the summer and get him for nothing, but you then run run the risk of a, a massive risk that, as you say, somebody else just ups his and turns his head. So... It's it's necessity here. If we don't do this now, we don't actually get a deal across the line, then we will lose them. Now, I don't know if it's finalised yet. It's, it certainly sounds, for the reports in Belgium, that it's, it's there or thereabouts. But um, for a football side, I think it's the right thing as well. I think we, we know that it's better to have a player in and acclimatised, like Kamara, when he did it. He come in and he gets a, a full four or five months a, a season to acclimatise and get used to the, the management of the club and the country. So... I think it's the right thing to do. It's not a massive amount of money in the grand scale of things. I joked about amortisation there, but if he's a four and a half year contract, you know that that's what two hundred fifty grand on the on the accounts for for the financial fair play sustainability. So I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's the right thing to do at the right time for the right player. Cami, on that, Andy makes a point there about you know sometimes we should just focus a wee bit more on on the football and. and I think it's understandable why we do this after everything we've been through. And I do get that. I've got to say, though, that as a Rangers fan, I want a midfielder in a lot more than I don't want them spending 1.6 million or whatever in euros it is, right? I, I, if we'd ended the window without them, that to me, and obviously still could, it's not been announced yet, but ending this window without a new midfielder is to me a bigger disaster than spending a bit to get somebody early. I don't know what your thoughts on that are. No, listen, I agree with that, and and you know Andy's right. And I mean, much as it's unusual to hear Mister McGowan saying, "Let's just spend some cash while we've got it," um, he's right, and you're right as well. The the bottom line with this is, uh, we need to think a little bit further forward. And if we're able to get a guy in now and have to pay money for him, the best thing that can happen at this deal, David, is that he comes here, knocks out of the park. And in two years, three years or whatever, we're selling them for a massive profit. I know that there's been discussions as part of the, the rumour mill that, you know, there's a sell-on fee, etc. And, and, and I get all of that. But if he comes in, he hits the ground running, he, he nails in a place, because let's face it, we need to be able to get starters. We're not talking about getting guys in now that in, in you know, 18 months' time will then eventually come good and not challenge who's in there at the moment. 
we need to be able to do that. And so there's also an element where I think you're right. I think if we'd went through the window without at least one more signing, I would have been pretty disappointed with that. It sounds to me like uh, the negotiations have been have been you know tough waters to navigate, and that's fine because that would suggest to me that we are committed to getting them. And uh, he is, from all reports, again keen to move. So let's just get it over the line. Let's get it done. Uh, you know, I think we've all been vocal uh, of previous transfer windows and where we'd like to see more work completed. Um, and I think that we've all said very recently within this transfer window, it'd be nice if it could get done well ahead of time to get them in and get embedded. Sometimes it doesn't work like that in the real world. So if we can get it over the line, I'd be delighted. Um, I, I think, you know, we hopefully do have other irons in the fire, but we're coming close to the deadline completing now. So I think that we are we are looking pretty positive on this to complete. So, yeah, it's it's a good one for us. And I think that, you know, we just have to be able to get over the line. That's the most important thing. And that's what the, the board have to be able to deliver for us now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, it's just a case of, yeah, we could save 1.5 million or we could get him in and he could help us win two cups. So, and it's, and, it's and a that's it. And, and, but I, I think for me, you're, listen, you're absolutely right. I think for me, I think that the midfield in particular Jesus, needs... Yes. It needs new blood, right? We saw that, you know, or we have been seeing that for, for you know, a number of months, if Old not much more. Really. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely... But I, I, I've got to emphasise that point. I want a starter. I want someone who's going to come in and challenge for a place, mm-hmm. knock people out of the way if he has to, in order to be able to try and get onto the, the start and living uh, and been able to feature. And listen, you're absolutely correct. If he can get us to two cups, brilliant. If he can cut down, hopefully, the points deficit in the league, even yeah. better. But at some point, you can't just keep relying on the same bodies again and again and again. Right. We need someone to be able to try and come into it. Now, I'm sure I'm not the only guy, as we're about to come on to, had his heart in his mouth when he saw the Ryan Jack uh, tackle. And, and you know, it, it was a sore one. You could see that. And then immediately your thought is, Christ, it's not like we're, we're overladen with midfielders that can take his place. So for, for all of the reasons that we've just mentioned, I think it's critical. Yeah, well, let's move on to the game at the weekend. Uh, Rangers took on St Johnston at Ibrox, second time in a week. Andy, president of the John Bennett Fan Club, chief board <laughs> for later, um, famously for it. And I saw you were not a happy bunny with what you saw on Saturday. Aye, because everything I'm a happy clapper, and, and you, you, you too will certainly know, given you're in my circle of trust, that you're uh, a tall faced bastard. No, I've, I know people have got the wrong idea. I just thought that, and I'll preface it by saying I think we're going very much in the right direction under Bill, but um, there's still some things that were happening under Geo that are still happening under Bill, and you've got to presume it's due to the actual players we're talking about now, and uh, it's the attacking side of things. I think relative to the team we were playing in Saturday, which is St Johnson, right? We know. With level they're at, we know that there's you know, we should be beating them 99 times out of 100 at home. I just thought that with them going down to 10 men and for 45 minutes, I thought their attacking uh, potency was abysmal. I thought, you know, I really thought we, we'll go in and score four, four goals here at least. Um, and, and, you know, pep the confidence, send a message. And I just thought that we controlled the game to the point of. Well, didn't they control the game? I'll be honest with you. I thought he couldn't tell that St John's had ten men at times, and I thought they, they stretched themselves across the park. So there was that same, that forty-five minutes in the second half. I thought 
you know, there's there's something not quite right there in terms of players. And I think the the tweet that you're referring to there, Davey, I think I closed it by saying, you know, if we finish this window, we just can't. Well, Cantwell's a great signing, but if we finish this window with just him, I think it's a failure because we know now that the, the squad doesn't, it needs refreshed. And I'm talking about three, four, five starters and... We can't kind of just let this window slip away again, um, and no, no add to it. And I'm pleasantly surprised it can't. Well, I'm really surprised at Raskin because you know my mantra was it's a hard window and you don't get the players you want. But that's been blown out the window completely. If we do complete Raskin, they're there to be done if you do it in the right way. And if that means paying a wee bit extra, a wee bit earlier, then so be it. So that that's why I was I, I left Ibrooks on Saturday a wee bit deflated and you know Ibrooks was empty in the 80th minute even more so than usual. So I think I was in the moment sitting watching it thinking this is this is subpar. Yeah, look, caveated with uh, I think that the run of form we're on is brilliant, and I'd far rather be winning than not winning. Right, so all of that is true, but. Equally, there were some things, and this is not just us. The manager said afterwards, he goes, even if we'd scored another two goals or three goals, and he said, and we should have, um, we should have scored more goals. He said, but even if we had, people would be going, oh, that was a great performance. And he said, whereas I, and this is a quote, I saw enough red flags out there today to let me know that I've still got a lot of work to do here. Now, that's a quote from the manager. And I think something I keep coming back to is this team coasts. It, it quite regularly slips in to coasting. And I think that at times it does it way too early in matches and it does it in periods in matches. And that's what has led to a number of matches in which we should have been very comfortable actually being a lot closer than they should have been because they think they have a tendency, I think, to relax during a game and they've been good at being able to switch it back on again and, and get winners and whatnot. But I felt that, as you said, Andy, you know, we, we pl- I thought we were really good for the first 20 minutes and we got the goal and you'd expect it to go. And then the game does get a bit bitty because of all the refereeing stuff, which we will come to, right? The red cards and stuff. But at the start of the second half, Rangers are a goal up and playing 10 men at home. A, a side who, by the way, have lost their last six matches. Rangers... I think, again, start the second half well. Managers obviously have been saying, go out and get this put to bed. They do. They go 2-0 up and then stop. Absolutely, completely stop. And as I say, Cammy, I can understand Andy's frustration. I get the arguments that, well, you know, we've got big games coming up, which we do. We're going to talk about Tynecastle on Wednesday. That'll be a really good, really tough, but a really good game. Um, between two form sides in terms of results. But I, I do think that for a side that, you know, maybe hasn't quite set the heather on fire a lot this season, it was an opportunity. I hate to sound really basic with it, David. And, and you know, I like to think that we've got a, you know, a certain level of listener that wants to be able to hear probably something a little bit more educated than this. But my feeling is we need to batter somebody. We need to be able to try and absolutely get a chance to turn someone over. And right now, I don't think anyone listening to this, I don't think either of you believe that that's possible at the moment, even when you have a man advantage and you're playing against teams that are absolutely out of form. It feels so much to me like we we, we miss a swagger. We miss a, 
a, a little bit of of gallusness to be able to look at turning a team over, really putting them to the sword, and then being able to take it from there. And it's it's a paradox because ultimately you look at our results and you look at the form since the management team came in, and every Rangers fan would bite your hand off for that. Do you know what I mean? And and the only and I use this term loosely, but the only you know blow on the on on the on the jotter is the Celtic game, and we were three minutes away from winning that. So by and large, it would have been as perfect a start as you could get, but we disconnect because we don't believe the performances are good enough. And for the reasons that you've mentioned, I think that the manager has lifted a malaise since he came in, but there is still elements of it still there. I think it the, the team look like they're playing a lot of football, which, let's face it, they should have and probably could have been playing more had we uh, represented ourselves better within Europe, although that was always going to be a tough ask. That all being said, we're, we're now confined to domestic competitions. And maybe that's a problem. Maybe it's the fact that we saw a European run last season in the second half of the second half of the, the season, which which maintained its own, you know, momentum and, and kept them going and created its own synergy to do that. And now they feel like they've not got that. I think I think as well as we've been talking about transfers, I don't think it's gonna happen, you know, in this window because we're we're pretty late in the day, but it needs transfers, it needs movement, it needs some of those players taken out of there. That will happen one way or another anyways, we know. But I can understand why both of you guys feel I was exactly the same. I'm not skipping out of Ibrox at the moment, which sounds incredibly arrogant because they say we are winning. I just still feel there is just this lack of connection between the playing group and the fans at the moment for how this season's turned out. Yeah, and again, I don't want the moan. Um, I just I agree with Andy. I felt going into this game that, yeah, we're going to put on a show. We're going to go here and we're going to smash them. Because I thought, you know, we played the week before. St. John's were not a good side. You could see that. It was a bad pitch. We weren't in the best of form. We got the job done. But we did the full week to prepare. New signing coming in. And I thought, yeah, Rangers are going to go out and, and smash them. And it, it, parts during the match did, you know, were comfortably the the better side. Never in any danger, by the way, I felt, of dropping points. So I don't want, you know, to come across that way. I just think that, again, it's this, have we put together a 90-minute performance? And we haven't. And, again, it was bits and enough, more than enough, to, to get the victory. Um, I think there is just a sense of frustration that there could be a little bit more there. On the lack of goals, Andy, now the manager pointed after the match to something I think everyone would agree with, which is that Alfredo played really well, but he missed good chances. He's got to score at least one of them. Mm-hmm. And... I I think that's kind of unarguable, really. No, so I mean, I don't I don't want to be saying the same thing in every podcast that I've ever going, but I mean, Cholak versus Morelos, it's it's always Morelos for me because the team, the whole team in particular, front four or five function better with him because he knits it together, but um, his finishing has been it's been really really poor, and it was a, I thought it was abysmal on, on uh, Saturday. And I think when Cholak comes in, you get the opposite. You know, you'll you'll anticipate that he'll finish everything that he gets a half chance at, but his all round play is is nowhere near the same as Morelis's. And yeah, you know, I don't Mar- think, for example, I think Cholak scores the chance in the first half, but there's no way in God's green earth he can play that assist that no. Alfie played out, which was a world class assist. It was absolutely yeah, superb. And I suppose that's a dichotomy, isn't it? You've got the perfect striker if the two of them have a baby. 
Well, I mean, I, I've been absolutely scathing of Morelos um, because of where he left is, not just the start of the season, the first quarter of the season. His lack of professionalism, or whatever you want to call it, during the close season and whatever happened under uh, Van Bronckhorst at the start, left us in the shit and cost our team dearly because he is an, an integral, integral part to our team. And for that reason, I know I, I would never renew his contract. And I think, you know, for being honest, and with more to play with in the squad, he wouldn't be in the squad for that reason. You'd have, you'd have frozen him out, but we need him. Um, so, you know, Beal's referred to the fact that he wants another, a different kind of number nine. So I don't know what that means, whether it's a, a rangy striker, you know, what, like what he had at QPR and with, with Dykes, or, I don't know. But we're, we're, we've got a decision to make, I don't think there's any noise in getting a new contract. Certainly no in improved terms if there, if there is. Um, but I thought that was that, that was probably a difference, right? If we're being honest about it, if he puts one or two of those away and we go away with a four nothing, then we're probably we're no we're not talking about this just now. I think the elephant in the room is Celtic. They're they're scudding teams and I think everybody's got it in the back of their mind that if this was Celtic, they would have taken five after them. Now th- that isn't my way of thinking, but even I'm thinking it because I generally do not live my life judging myself or, or my team or my club against them for one thing, right? Except the points on the league table. Um, but I think that isn't everybody's thinking because I think everybody knows that if we're going to be serious about competing with them over the longer term, we're going to have to match them for goals because the goal difference just now is significant. And I'm a great believer if you look at the league table and the points and the goal difference, it tells it tells you everything you need to know in terms of what's going to happen going forward. So we need, and Bill said it, you know, I think everything we're saying here, if, if Bill's in the same room as us, I don't think he's going to. Disagree with? I think he knows this. He's, he's said as much as you say, David. Yeah, I mean, but I, I, I think it was. Yeah, I think he was a little disappointed um, when he came in after the game. I, I don't think he. Uh, I think he judges each game as it, as it is. Um, and I've seen him come in after. You know, I get he was delighted with a victory at Perth because, as he said, it was a cow field, th- third game in six days, got the win, got the clean sheet. Things we could have done better, but he was really happy with the result. Whereas I've seen him come in after that, or when we beat Motherwell at Ibrox. I mean, after we beat Motherwell, he came in, he went three points, three goals, that's about it, really. You know, he doesn't try to kid on that what he's watched isn't what he, isn't what we've watched. See, see, the thing is, and this is the other point around the squad and freshening it up and transfer window and everything, with a five-sub rule, there's no excuse for Rangers or Celtic to be in the position we were at half-time and no go on and do... You know, three, four, five goals. That that, that is the the truth of the matter. Now that either points to the bench not being strong enough, or the the the, the pattern of the team isn't set up for you know explosive goal scoring exploits. I think we are. We've got a team. Bill's an attacking minded manager, and the team will have been set up to do that. And we couldn't do it for whatever reason. And in fact, St. Johnson, as I say, stretched us a wee bit in terms of possession, which I, I, I thought was unacceptable. Yeah, I think that he was a wee bit kind of frustrated with the, the sort of flatness shown. But let's let's look at some of the positives. Um, as I say, you know, when we did play well, and I'd say that was the opening 20 of each half, then we looked really good, slick, made chances, moved the ball about well. Uh, and I thought it was a pretty promising debut from Todd Cantwell, Cammy. Now, his first start since November, mid-November, Michael Beale said actually his last start came against QPR when he was there. 
uh and uh he he said you know i needed it i only had about an hour on my legs but it was good to get it uh, it'll take a wee while to get him in but you know intelligent player wants the ball wants to get on it make things happen and of course played a part in that second goal which by any definition that second goal was a peach oh yeah it was for sure um as as andy mentioned there the the setup from morelos was absolutely you know phenomenal um i i thought he looked good i thought he looked lively i thought it speaks of his professionalism, David, to say that, you know, three months after your first start, you can come in and play 60 minutes. Um, you know, of course, you look at, and we discussed it, you know, in terms of the context, yeah, St. Johnson came down to 10, etc. But I still thought he worked very, very hard. Um, I think that there was elements where, with it being his debut at home, um, and, and again, probably a degree of nervousness because it's his first his first start for a good wee while. He probably played it safe a couple of times, which I've got absolutely no problem with. Um, but the reason why I mention that specifically is because I also think there was a couple of creative moments um, when he when he took a bit of a risk and it came off for him. And the good thing about that is that we can start to see more of that as he settles in, as his confidence grows, as he gets to know his teammates, their movements, etc., etc. Um, I was very pleased with him. Um, I, I think that it, he looks like he is he is coming in and he's settling in to what he believes should be a starting position, and and it looks like he, you know, he wants to be able to stake his claim for that and uh, all power to him. So yeah, very very pleased with him. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I think he could make a big difference for us when we need it across the course of the, the remainder of this season. I thought Glenn Kamara looked very good as well, Andy. That's um, you know, obviously he got the goal, and and it's a weird one with Glenn Kamara because he's such a good finisher when you get him there, but he. Like you'll never have a shot from outside the box. You just will not do it. We know that. But see, any time, and it's funny. I mentioned this uh, on our uh, on our reports on Saturday when I saw it was him who'd been played in. I was like, that's a goal. And funnily enough, I don't have that confidence in all our players. Alfie for one, <laughs> you know, it's, it's such a strange quirk because he's so calm and composed when he gets into those. But I thought his overall game on Saturday was really decent. No, you're you're, you're right about his finishing. His finishing is. Usually passes it into an eight yep, rather than calmly. blast it, which no is no chance for the keeper. It's a hard thing to do. Um, but the problem with Kamara is that it doesn't get in those positions often enough for us. Now, it could be a symptom of the fact that he's a wee bit deeper for Rangers than he is when he plays for Finland or whatever. And I don't think he's a goal scoring midfielder, but that, that doesn't mean he shouldn't be getting his five goals a season. And uh, I think the more responsibility you give him. I don't know if that suits him. I've often spoke to him, spoke about him being peripheral. When Van Bronckhurst came in, he made him his number six, more or less, and it didn't really happen for him, and then he reverted back to type. But I say on a game like that on Saturday, he should be good enough to control the game and be the main midfielder. And I thought he dictated the play. He's sometimes a wee bit negative for me, a wee bit too safe. I'd like to see him... Um, you know, the kind, of, the kind of pass Cadwell made, you know, mm. take an opportunity, take a chance to, to slice through teams. He, he's capable of it. I just think sometimes he's just a wee bit timid in terms of doing that. Um, and whether it's just ball possession or whatever, I don't know, but he, he's good enough to do that. Glenn Kamara is a really, really good football player. And I think we sometimes take him for granted. But I think there's made to come from him. Now, whether that's at Rangers or elsewhere, I don't know. But I, I, I think there's more to come for Kamara. I think he's got another level he needs to reach because he's capable of it. And it goes back to what we spoke about with players like Aribo and so forth. 
have you got the mentality to become a killer? And I don't mean a killer in terms of goal scoring, but just that psyche that makes you a top-class football player um, maybe is just that wee bit softer than what's required. Maybe that's why he never made it at Arsenal. I don't know. But he's he's an asset. There's no question about it. And um, the fact he's under contract is a bonus to us because if he plays like he played on Saturday over a longer period, then his reputation that he built under Rangers will be maintained and at some point we'll either be able to sell him on or, you know, utilise him more. Yeah, I mean, on form and he, he walks into the team every week and it's the he fact should. that... He should. He should. Yeah, he should. That's basically it. Yes, he should. Um, because ability is unquestionable. Cammy, 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 my qualified referee friend. It wouldn't be Scottish football if Rangers got a decision without people being incredibly upset about it. So much so, in fact, that Sky Sports... Uh, got Mark Reynolds on to say that he felt that Ryan Jack's tackle for which he was booked should have been a penalty kick, despite the fact that it took place in the St Johnston penalty area, uh, such as the the level of punditry we get up here, which is obviously why we exist. So I suppose I shouldn't complain about it too much. But um, three decisions. The first one, a foul by Nicky Clark, uh, in which a red card was awarded. Um, VAR obviously then said... Nope, you're fine. You don't need to go and check that. Then Ryan Jack, a couple of minutes later, and let's just be upfront here, makes a really stupid tackle. He didn't need to do it. I think he was a bit pissed. Um, he, he took a sore one. He got a gash on his shin. I think he's had a wee bit of the red mist has come down. He's went in. Um, straight leg tackle, no doubt about it. My initial thought watching it was I wouldn't be surprised if that gets upgraded to a red. The... The uh, VAR official suggests Willie Collum goes into the look, he goes into the look and stays with his yellow card, which is not something you see that often, to be honest. Uh, and to be honest, the only referee in Scotland who, if you'd said to me the referee in Scotland would do that, I'd have picked Collum because he's a thrown wee bastard. So uh, I kind of figured that, that that might be what you would see from him. But... Your thoughts on both those red cards? I'll, I'll be totally honest. Yeah, I thought Nicky Clarks was a red card. I haven't seen it back. I think it's a red card. Don't think he's trying to do anybody, but he goes in, studs up, catches him. It's dangerous. I thought it was a red. I can see why with Brian, uh, Ryan Jacks that his foot is low, and I think that saves him. But like I say, hand on heart, I wouldn't have been raging if he'd been sent off for that. I agree. I, I, I think that the... The, my view from the main stand, I didn't see as to the, the studs been up because I was behind the incident. Um, but I could tell from Jack's reaction that he caught him. The intent is the question. And I, I, I don't think Nicky Clark, I think it's a clumsy challenge, but it's a dangerous challenge. And I think that the yeah. the fact that Robertson's so close to it, I think he sees it at speed, sees it in, in, in real time. Call him, not Robertson. Uh, uh, call him, so, uh, uh, no, but I mean, no, in terms of the initial decision before VAR even gets involved in it, because I think that it, it, because it happens so close to the referee, then what happens at that stage is he, he makes a decision and VAR's there probably to, to back up the decision. It's probably the best way I can put it, because that's ultimately what VAR is there to do, is to help protect the referee's decision when something of that, you know, a, a, a game-defining event can, can occur. Um so I think that was the correct decision. I was, you've said it perfectly. I was fuming when I saw the Jack challenge because I immediately thought at that point he's he's going to go here, and I did think it was red. It's the kind of challenge, and you boys all know what I'm talking about with this. That 
you're doing that against the guy who's done you, which obviously couldn't do because Clark was off the park. But he's just he's just seen the red and he's went through. And I actually thought it would have been a red, um, having had the opportunity since the game to see the replays and stuff. I, I think we're lucky that Colum keeps them in the park. Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not convinced. I'm really genuinely not convinced that that's not a red. But listen, you know these things come out in the wash, so we'll take it from there. And um, I just I just feel it, 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 it's. I think the problem you've got in these situations is. There's two things. First of all, you think about how it'd be if it was a player of yours. So in which case, you're you're thinking it should, you know, it should be a red. And then the second thing is, um, you know, is that excessive? Does it go over the top? And I, and I, and I really do think that it, it does. So yes, as I say, I think that we were, I think we were given the right reward in the Clark challenge. I think we potentially could have got away with one with the Jack one. The penalty, I thought was a penalty. And yep. I'm a bit, yeah, right, okay, good. So I'm glad that. Because I couldn't understand, other than Rangers got it, people complain it's a penalty. But I don't like the rule either, okay? Um, no, it's terrible. The, but... the, the, the problem with this now is that the handball rule has... It, there's an irony about the fact, David, that we've now got this this technology and we've got the opportunity to have loads of different angles and replays, etc., so that you can come to a definitive judgment. But yet, the grey area and of the, of the handball rule is just... It's ridiculous and it needs refined because, you know, if you look at the, the Dundee United Celtic game on Sunday, the player actually puts his hand up quickly, hits his hand and then he tries to bring it. That's an obvious handball. Yeah. But the amount of times we've discussed this, even within a Rangers context, where you've seen handballs given, not given, where it's almost at point blank range, you've got no idea what you can do within that and you can't get your hand out of the way of it. So... You can't put folding money in what you think the decision will be, and then obviously, at least the referee has a monitor to check. It, it, it needs more definition. I hate to sound like Michael Stewart in, in any kind of walk of life, but it needs more definition about what can happen with this because I, I just think players are at the stage now where they're absolutely terrified to to jump to be able to put their arms out to any degree because if it mm. hits off a player, then hits them. You've seen penalties given for that seen as well. Given, when it it happened to us. Yeah, you know, and, and look, look, I I don't like the rule either, right? I agree with you. I think we need a wee bit more common sense on penalty decisions for handball. But under the rules, that was a penalty, so you know, fair enough. And it's happened against us, so I was I was okay with that one. Andy, you know, you've you've heard me and Cammy's point. As I say, look, I I do understand why Jack didn't get sent off because his foot is low, right? So I can mm-hmm. understand. Um, I again just going on when we saw it live. Instantly, my phone lit up with messages from friends who were at the game or watching at home, and they all went, "What did he do that for?" And I think that, to me, was what was telling. First of all, can we pause for a moment of a moment of hilarity at the the concept that Column is somehow favouring us in some kind of grand conspiracy? Yeah, I know it's just it's I mean, just laughable. But um, I thought that uh, during the game, I didn't think the Clark tackle was a red card in real time, and I was quite surprised to see it as a red card. Having seen it back, I think it's a borderline red card. I think he's very unlucky. But if you if you have your studs up that high, then you're running the risk. You're, you're making the, the referee have a decision. And to Colum's defence, he was pretty close to it. And you could see how, how sore it was for, I, for Jack. You know, was I, was the other, I was the other side of the stand for you. And I saw where he caught him, if you like. Um, where, you, where you sit, you, you're the other side. And you'd be looking through people to get to it, whereas it was kind of right in front of me. And I thought he's going just because of where he caught him. 
uh, it was Shanghai and it was studs. And I, I know he didn't mean it. I know he's lost the flight of the ball a wee bit and he's surprised that Jack's there, but it is but, dangerous. But, uh, well, the fact that Ryan, hurt, get, Ryan, Ryan Jack got hurt, it kind of tells you. No question about it. I was actually in the main stand on Saturday for a change, but... Oh, well, in that case, you were wrong then, you tit. You should have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's... that's try to help him out there, Cammy. You know, I try to give him a... Ah, exactly. Try and give him a bit, him a bit of leeway. He was too busy I, talking to John Bennett about how great the squad was. <laughs> <laughs> He's ignoring me. See, uh, the thing is, but I, I, I said a couple of weeks ago on Twitter that I think the fact that VAR exists is keeping folk a wee bit more honest. And he's probably thought, you know, that's a red card. But I think in the past, they've gave the yellows for that. With the Jag one, I think it all rests on how high his foot is. And the fact that it didn't, it didn't get through the guy's ankle. I may be wrong here, right? But I thought it was more his foot than his ankle. Um, I could see it being a red card on another day. I could see it being a yellow card. It's borderline. I've seen Rangers players have tackles like that against them all the time, and it's been a yellow card, so I'm not going to lose much sleep over it. The whole kind of hyper-analysis of decisions that go for and against us is getting a bit tiresome um, to the point where I just ignore it. But I think at some point Rangers are going to have to see even in a, a kind of press conference where Bill's just quite safe make a joke here because it's farcical it is getting farcical oh, I mean it's everything I mean honest to God I, I'm there's going to be a game we got a corner and it's going to be three days of analysis in the papers about it it really is um, but we get the victory and now we head off to Tynecastle on Wednesday night and uh, look Hearts are playing really well they got a 0-0 draw at Livy at the weekend which kind of stymied their momentum a wee bit but uh, yeah, I saw them in the Edinburgh Derby. They look good. They're potent up front. Uh, never an easy place to go anyway, Cammy. I, I think that's a real test for Rangers. And you know, one I expect is to pass, but we'll need to... I don't think we'll be able to play in bits and bobs in this game. No, it, it's going to take a step up, um, as you rightly say. And, and as you mentioned at the top of the show, David, obviously been through in West Lothian. I know plenty of Hearts fans through here. They... Uh, are looking forward to it um, for the reasons that you mentioned with regards, you know, they're playing well, obviously went to Easter Road very recently and turned Hibs over. Um, I know Hibs are in a bit of a kind of crisis at the moment, but Hibs raised their game I th- against I th- Arsenal. I think, it might, have lifted. I think yeah. it might have lifted slightly at the weekend. Yeah, so, um, but, you know, obviously going into that that Edinburgh derby, you know, Hibs wanted to be able to try and get something out of it. They couldn't because Hearts, I think, were just too strong for them. And they've got a number of key players at the moment who are, uh, playing well for them, um, and and listen, you know, hearts can hurt us. I think I've got a little bit of that fear going to Tynecastle. I don't, I don't really overly enjoy going there. Um, as you say, obviously the draw with Livy is maybe giving them a little bit of kind of second thoughts. But I'll be honest with you, I think that will be motivated for us. We need to be able to see us, and outside of outside of the old fun game, I think this is arguably Michael Beale's hardest domestic challenge now. Um, so yeah, he's going to have to be able to try and get something out of them and. Uh, we've spoken a lot about about Raskin being able to come in. I I I don't know about you guys. I I would keep him out of this just now. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I, I, I don't I don't think that's fair for him to come into. Let's just give him Ross County. But um, it, it's going to be a very very difficult game. We're going to have to make sure that we go there. The the however you want to term it, the complacency, the malaise, the the kind of you know we've got more gears that we can go into. That has to go um, on Wednesday night, and we have to make sure that we're we're, we're at the top of our game for it because. You know, hearts won't rest. Even if we're 1-0 up, hearts will continue to keep coming for us. So 
yeah, we uh, we need to be able to put a very strong and confident performance. I feel. Andy. Ten castles, ten castle, and it's usually dictated by who who starts the game well. I've got to be honest because usually, well, not usually, but I've seen it on occasion. They come out the traps, you know, they force force issue in terms of getting corners and keeping the keeping the game down at our end. And uh, I've seen as well more than once, and it kind of scares you. But I've also seen the opposite where we come out, control the game, get a goal, and their their crowd don't exactly you know, lift their team sometimes. It, 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 I think they can be as crushed by their, their home support as sometimes the pressure we feel at Ibrook. So um, this is a major, major test. And uh, that's why Saturday, you know, I would have liked to have, not that it makes any difference in reality, but, you know, a wee bit of confidence in terms of goal scoring would have would have lifted my spirits a wee bit going into this. Um, Jack's doubtful. I think it's his type of game, so I hope he makes it. And... Uh, Strangely enough, I hope he starts a car. And I, and I know that's a big sea change for the start of the season, but I think he's our most, he's our most potent goal threat. And for the kind of game it is, I think he is uh, the one that I would be looking to to get their defenders turning, facing their own goal, stuff like that. Um, so um, that's my thoughts, Davey, on that. MD's yeah, got a spare ticket, and you know, you know, can we borrow going? Just let me know. Yeah, um, on that. <laughs> Not being on the telly, Hearts Rangers, it, they should be on the telly, you know. And I get that the way the the scheduling went and whatnot, but you know, the, the, this is part of this whole kind of telly deal madness. Um, that this is a game that should be or should be available um, easy enough with it, you know, all the pay per view nonsense. But it is what it is. The, 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 the SPFL, I know that's just asking for the possible, some sense, but there, there needs to be um, an addendum to the TV deal in that if a game's not on TV and it's not affecting Sky or, well, it's just Sky now, isn't it? If it's not affecting them, then the clubs should have the ability to, to create their own online event. Or, as I said in the extra other day, you could have Emerson House open for 12 and a folk or whatever it takes and we could be charging... 10, 15, 20 quid a heat because I think we would, we would, you know, that is something I think could happen. It would become a destination for, for beanbags, but that's another story. I just think it's it's ridiculous that we, we, we talk about long and weary about the, the, the image of our game. We know about plastic pitches, we know about all the ridiculous stuff that happens, and then you've got a showcase game which, you know, it's usually it's a ding dong game, you know. There's usually some happens in a game at, at Tyne Castle with Rangers Hearts. Why is it on the telly? Um, apart from the, the inconvenience for me, you, and everybody else, it's going to then log into Hearts TV and I bet you can't handle it. But I think, I think to, to your point as well, Owandy, and I know that you've spoken a lot about this, whether we want to realise or not, Scottish football is still in a pandemic recovery. This is potential cash injection that we can give clubs. So I know that obviously we're biased because we're talking about Hearts and Rangers because obviously we love our football club. But I can guarantee you there will be other games and other schedule fixtures that, that the same kind of thing can happen. So exactly as you say there, you can give it to the option of Sky, BT, Viaplay, whoever. But if none of them want it, then you've got the capability to broadcast it. Why would you choose not to do that? And even if, and I don't want to do it, but even if we had to give the SFA or the SPFL some cut of it, okay, fair enough, but it's money that's sitting waiting to be spent because I can guarantee the three of us would have bought it. Um, but no, another opportunity missed. Thanks so much to, to the archaic thinking of those who run Scottish football. 
It's just saying, it's third versus second, total sell it, going to be a cracking game. Yeah, you know, instead we'll, we'll show matches in empty stadiums that are played on tatty fields that are really rubbish. Anyway, I I, I digress. Um, just before we go, actually, Andy mentioned their new Edmonton House. Cammy, you went on Saturday. What was your initial thoughts? Yeah, it's good. I think um, there's obviously more to come. I think it's fair. Uh, I think... Uh, what I'm really excited about, David, more than anything else, and they touched on it, you know, a, a second ago, there is the is the potential, the the, the possibilities that it can open up. Um, I've been a massive advocate, as you know, for a, for a museum uh, for Rangers for pretty much as long as I've been involved in any kind of supporter activism. Um, I can't wait for that personally, but in the meantime, I think if you've got a venue that will draw footfall to the stadium, um, you know, before half past two when everyone just turns up to get into their seat. Um, and and people can spend money and it goes into the club and it becomes you know self-generating all of that kind of thing. Uh, I'm really excited by it. I, and and again, you know when you see the fact that it looks futuristic, it looks modern. Uh, I think you can start to see where the money has gone. Um, and and you know I, I'll do my <laughs> bored impression. Uh, I, I think that we wanted it to be based in class. I think it's getting there. <laughs> so obviously, when we see the finished article, I think that it'll oh, be. Fuck. Well, let's say, do you know what I mean? I didn't, oh, I didn't want Andy. Me. Don't I you ever say a word about me again? I didn't want Andy. I didn't want Andy to be the minutes. only. I thought I we were want... getting away with it, and now I... we'll light up Twitter with that one. I didn't want Andy <laughs> to be the only bored shell on the program. So I'm taking oh bullets God. for him, David. But the point is that we—that's exactly what we wanted. We we can't wait for a project like this and see the investment that the fans have put in as well. By the way, the three of us included, um, and for it to be second rate. And I didn't think that at all uh, from everything I've seen and all the reports that I've heard and people and their the experiences of it and stuff as well. Very very good. So let's uh, let's see where it takes us next. Yeah. Although Andy. He's saying it's futuristic. Futuristic was Buck Roger <laughs> Burger Bar in <laughs> Queens. Do you remember that? What? The Buck Rogers Burger Bar? Did you never go yet? Oh, Where right. There, there will be, it was in Queen Street in Glasgow in the early 80s. I'm sure there will be listeners oh, who can I think remember. Be yeah, yeah. And it was all done up like um, the spaceship and Buck Rogers. And they had what I can only describe, and I don't know the right word for it, but a person of restricted height, I think. Biggie, biggie. The, yeah, as dressed up as that wee guy, as Biggie Biggie guy, Twiggy. So, uh, was yeah. it Harrigan? It could have been Harrigan. Yes. Was it Ross Wilson? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> that's you immediately back after the board Christmas. That's it, that exactly, way. exactly. It's a, it's a yin yang with me. Yeah, well, we'll have full coverage of the match on Wednesday night over on patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. A new month starts, a good time to go and get signed up there. My thanks to our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Miles, and my thanks to my guests, first of all, the splendid Cammy Bell. A pleasure as always, boys. Thank you. To the wonderful Mr. The Sage of Soulcoats, Andy McGowan. Best in class. That'll be your... your <laughs> <laughs> on your tombstone there, Cammy. You know you uh, ever, ever... Think about slagging me again about the board and happy clapping. I think I I will, I'll be honest. Yeah, I I think he probably still could. Anyway, thanks for joining (laughs) us, folks. We'll talk to you again later in the week. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.